0: Welcome to More About Officership, an open and honest discussion about officership in Australia. As we move towards One Australia Territory, host Captain Matt Rees is joined by officers from across the country to discuss the challenges and rewards of being an officer today. Okay, so joining us today for our conversation uh, around uh, topical questions that have been asked of us. Uh, particularly in the candidate space, uh, is this question: Is what is it like being a Salvation Army officer? And to help us today, we have three lovely guests in the studio, um, which I'm delighted are able to share not only their experience, um, but part of their their calling and their ministry, um, and a bit of hope for what's to come into the future. So we've got Len Turner, Major Len Turner, Major Sandy Croden, and uh, Lieutenant Sean back. Len. We might start with you. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your salvation story, becoming an officer, um, growing up? Yeah, yeah. Whatever
1: shaped you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there are a lot of things happening in there, and and um, as I think back, it was a it was an incredible journey that that started. And I won't go into all the detail, but but it started with the birth of Corey, who um, our son um, was. In that moment, that I was, I had an epiphany, I might say. It, 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 God spoke in that moment to me, and it was uh, I didn't realize what was happening, but I was urged in that moment to look for something more than I'd been looking for, because I, I realized here was a creation in front of me, this beautiful life. And from that, it began a bit of a search, ended up at Preston Salvation Army, um, and that was through the, the witness of my brother-in-law, and, and went along to the, the Salvation Army at Preston, and there through a series of events of of just God moments where God actually intervened into my life and spoke very clearly, um, amazingly clearly, and in ways that I could receive it. Um, Things that were said, like uh, Captain Dado was the the, um, core officer there at that point in time, and he said things like, uh, uh, this this guy's dangerously close to giving his life to Christ. And it was just a funny statement because you know, I suddenly realized there is no danger in giving your life to Christ. And it was, you know, subsequently I gave my life to Christ at a core at a anniversary weekend. And it was within a matter of weeks, I was sitting in the congregation, hadn't even become a soldier, I don't think, at that point in time. It was somewhere in the October, November of that year. And Captain Dado got up to speak and audibly God said into me, that's what I want you to be. It was this incredible you know, series of very real encounters with God, and so in that moment I kind of knew what I was supposed to be doing, and so it progressed. And from getting saved in October '78, I was uh, accepted as a candidate by May '79 to go into the 1980 session. So it was kind of or it was somewhere around. Well, I think we were, our papers were processed in May and somewhere near there they we were accepted for uh, 19, uh, for the 1980 session. And, and so it was all very you know, exciting and wonderful. And suddenly there we were in college and it seemed so right. It just seemed so comfortable and right. And I think you know, from there on in, it's always been, it's, although there's been difficult situations and difficult circumstances, it's just been right. Yeah. It's been a good place to be. It hasn't always been a perfect place to be.
0: Well, we will get into that.
1: (laughs) But it's been a good place to be. We'll
0: get into that a little bit later on. Now, Sean,
2: you tell us a little bit about your story? Sure. Yes, I grew up in the Salvos. Um, My grandparents' parents were both involved. Um, so I grew up in the church. I can't recall a moment where I gave my life uh, or chose to follow Jesus. Um, but I came a junior soldier and then I became a senior soldier at the age of 18, uh, the beginning of 2007. And then um, I just recall at the end of 2007 trying to discern or trying to discover what I want to do with my life. Um, due to my love of sport, I was thinking about becoming a PE teacher or something in the sporting industry. And I just remember one... Um, one night towards the end of 2007, during um, the VC exams, I was just um, praying one night and I said, God, show me what you want me to do, show me what you want me to be. And I just had this um, real conviction uh, for Salvation Army officership and this clear uh, vision of 2012. So put the two and two together and um, I knew that in 2012 I'd go into college. It all worked out, um, but during that time I kind of um, filled in the gaps with different experiences, different jobs. And then, yeah, went into college in 2012 and 2013 um, and it was just an amazing experience and, and just like kind of like Len was saying, uh, funnily enough, Len and Marnie were the candidate secretaries when I uh, actually got accepted as a candidate. Um, so that was awesome. But yeah, it just, just was right um, and just felt right. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Good. All right. Good. Thanks, mate. Uh,
0: Sandy.
3: My is similar to Len's in some ways. I actually came to the Salvation Army through what was a new Corps plant down at Lunga. And the new Corps officer down there was Derek Linsell, And I remember um, admiring him and what he did. And my mum had nagged me to go along to the Corps. And so I started to do that, build up a friendship with Derek who encouraged me and encouraged me to follow him around, see what he was doing. And I remember very distinctly having a conversation with Derek one day. I'd finished school early and was deferring going to uni, working in a fashion boutique. And he said to me, you should be doing more with your life than this. Uh, What are you going to do with your life, Sandy? And I said, oh... I think I'd like to do what you do. What's that? And he said, well, I'm a Salvation Army officer. And I said, well, how do I become a Salvation Army officer? And he said, well, first you'd have to become a Salvation Army soldier. And I'm like, well, how do I become a Salvation Army soldier? And then he said to me, well, first you have to become a Christian. That's and I presence. said, well, how do I do that?
0: <laughs> oh, that uh, is that still true? That's still so though, nice, isn't it?
1: <laughs> That's good.
0: <laughs> so
3: that was good it, was an amazing, <laughs> it was an amazing journey for me. And so becoming a Christian was a natural thing for me it was about well I want to instill hope and give purpose Mm. for people's lives. Tell me how that's done. And so he told me about Jesus. And from then on, I remember just a couple of weeks later, I came home and I said to my mum, I'm going to be a Salvation Army officer. And that's when I heard the backstory about my journey of faith. My mum started to cry. Now, she'd been a Christian for a couple of years, had been praying for me. I thought she was going to be really excited. And instead of that, she started to cry and say, it's all my fault, it's all my fault. She was inconsolable. And then she told me the story of, when I had been a child and I'd been really ill and on the very last occasion that the doctors thought that I was going to die this time a salvationist appeared at the hospital and offered to pray for my mum and my mum says she remembers praying at that time God if you let her live you can have her life and so she says, God is claiming that promise. Be careful with um, your prayers, eh? Hey? Yeah, that's good. So, yeah. so a fascinating story. But my sense of calling was just very real. It was about, this is how I should spend my life. Yeah. And whilst there has been tough times, I've never doubted that this is what I was created to do. And this is why my life is still here. Yeah, yeah that's
0: great. So following on from that, one of the questions that comes up a lot when we talk to people about Becoming Salvation Army officers, or people exploring full-time ministry, is what is it like being a Salvation Army officer?
1: That's a really hard question to answer. Oh, I know no, no. that's I, why that's why I'm a, asking you to yeah. help me <laughs> because it's life, isn't it? I mean, yeah. it, it's all of the all the above and more. In the sense of it's just it, it's exciting, it's wonderful, it's troubling, it's yeah. you know terrible. It's it's all those things wrapped up into this wonderful sense of God's called me, mm. and He's He's put me in this position. And he wants me to be here. And I just find it's uh, it's fulfilling, yeah. incredibly fulfilling. Um, and yet at times it's heartbreaking as you you recognise you're seeing you're seeing people at their most vulnerable, their most exciting, you're seeing people at all different places of life. And you're seeing some of the terrible hurts they're going through and some of the terrible sadnesses they're going through and, and you wear some of that as well. So it's it, it's wonderful and yet, I don't know, that's how I found it. Because it's, it is you know, a people business. It's a people business, yeah, and yeah. you're sharing in the lives and the journey of other people. So it's, yeah. it, it has this all this wonderful senses of emotion that come to you.
2: How, how would you guys describe it, Sean or Sandy? How, yeah. So what, this is my fourth year as an officer. Yeah. Um but the way that, sure, there's good and there's bad and a whole lot of things that come along with that, but the way that comes to mind is opportunity there's so much opportunity that you can have uh, within the four walls of your church, but also in your community. Mm. Um, And I think the influence that you can have, uh, and even with um, the vessel of Salvation Army, which is widely known and well-respected, I think that gives you a lot of opportunity. So um, I love it. And I think that if you pray and and God will open uh, open doors for you. um, And I think, yeah, I think that's just one of the many, many good aspects of it. So like, Before, Sandy, you maybe address that question.
0: Like Everyone currently is in different appointments. So, Mm -hmm. Len, you're at THU in Mission Department. Sean, you're at Mornington Planting. Mission Department, Social Justice. Have I got everything there, Sandy?
3: Social Justice and Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Ministries and Intercultural. Is that all? That's all today. Oh,
0: okay. What do you What do you do on Thursday and Friday? <laughs> Funny interviews with strange men. <laughs>
3: um, for me, being a Salvation Army officer is. Look, I I think I would be telling people about Jesus no matter what I was doing. Mm. And I'm absolutely firmly convicted that the way Jesus lived is how we should live. Being a Salvation Army officer means that I can direct most of my energy towards Mm. that. I'm not caught up in so many other things that I don't have time to do that. But I I, I believe I would do that anyway. But being an officer gives me a support base. It gives me opportunity and I can direct my energies in that way. And so, you know, that's... that's is great.
0: it is it freeing or is it restrictive do you feel
3: yes and B- both, yeah. both, absolutely freeing. It's it's freeing in that I, I I mean, I don't worry about a lot of the things. I've got siblings who worry about a lot of things that I've not had to worry about. Yeah. Uh, so there's a sense of freedom that I can actually yeah. use yeah. my energy yeah. for this purpose. But of course, there's a sense of limitation too, because it is about sacrifice and handing over some of that control of your life and, and putting it in the hands of people and trusting that they're listening to God. That, you know, that's... That's faith, and it can be restrictive too.
2: Mm. I, I always say that, you know, I wouldn't want to do anything else than be in ministry or be an officer, and the best part is I get paid to do what I what love. What you like doing. Like. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's just phenomenal. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's, it goes to the whole the notion of
0: the priesthood of all believers, and this is where some people say, but uh, we have been told that we can be soldiers, we can serve in our local communities and 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 I can do that really well what what is the difference between being a completely committed person to mission and ministry and And then being an officer, you know, and and I think you've you've addressed that.
3: The thing is, too, I think God knows us and who we were created to be. So I listened to Sean talking about, you know, this great love of sport. But one of the things that I'm enjoying watching from the sidelines is that God hasn't forgotten that. God actually placed that Mm. in Sean's heart. And now you're able to use that passion in your ministry. Mm. I mean, that's astounding to me. So in, in many ways that early dream of being involved in sport is still happening but it's now happening in ministry for God
0: yeah so for those who don't know what we're talking about in terms of the sport ministry do you want to just tell us a bit about that
2: Uh, yeah just in a nutshell um, the first year at Mornington I did I led an interdenominational Easter service Um, And in college, I was always talking to Sandy and all the other officers. I was like, we need to do more sporting ministry. And uh, at this Sunday, as I finished the uh, interdenominational service, this guy just met me in the hallway. I'd never met before. He said, you know, we need more uh, sporting chaplains on the peninsula. Handed me a business card for his boss. I met up with him, an ex-AFL player. Uh, and then four weeks down the track, I was introduced as the chaplain for the Mornington Football and Netball Club, and um, those opportunities through through that alone has been amazing. Mm, um, that's great. And I just I'm there two days a week, or well, Thursday night for footy practice, and then the games on Saturday. So, and that has allowed me to network further and and further into the community and and get more ca- more contacts. But
1: isn't that something of the freedom that comes? Like you're suddenly working in an area that you really have a passion yeah. for and love, but it's in ministry. Yeah. And And you would not have got that opportunity probably in that same form – Had you not just been obedient to God and followed into the ministry and gone with Him where He wanted you to go?
2: Exactly. And that was definitely off Him, too. Yeah. You know, that that wasn't a coincidence. No, that's it. it. And in
3: even very practical terms, there's some freedom in officership. I mean, Mm. I've always worked really hard as an officer, and I pride myself on that. But when my daughter was growing up, I had the flexibility that I could actually take an hour off during the day if there was something that she needed. So there's a lot of freedom in, in how we plan our time and how we actually work out that balance. Um, the Salvation Army allows us that yeah, freedom, does, yeah, and yeah. at different stages of our lives, that's looked different. But I've always felt that I had that freedom to do it in a way that I might not have yeah. had. I pursued other, um, yeah. you know, careers. Exactly so, right. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, well, interesting.
1: I'm, I'm right in that zone now myself, and in, in my circumstance, have some freedom to care for little child um, that I yeah, would never have anticipated my situation being the way it is now but I have that now because I'm in this position um, and I've just been following God in all the intervening years just following and it brings to the place where there's a freedom now to be able to accomplish both whereas maybe there wouldn't have been
3: And in other jobs that might have been an interruption to your career but within officership rather than being an interruption it's part of the ministry So as we observe you doing what you do Mm -hmm. you minister to us Mm -hmm. and it actually enriches our lives Mm so it's not a stepping Aside from full time ministry, it's doing ministry in a different way, yeah. and you teach yeah. us what it means to be a follower of Jesus at this time, mm. um, in a way that you couldn't have if you'd been in other employment. Yeah, so, I, I,
1: yeah. I, I hear what you're saying, and I, I totally agree. It's just, it is, uh, it's wonderful to be an officer. It's just great. <laughs> I mean, it's, there's so many positives to it, and and but no matter how you you put that to a person, it's not until they recognise that God is speaking to them. Mm that they'll be able to embrace that. Yeah. And they've, that's where I think, you know, just listening for God, you know, listening and speaking to God is going to open their heart to the opportunities that are there for them within officership.
2: Yeah. And I know too, if you're passionate about the good news and, and commit to the mission of the Salvation Army, like for me, I couldn't be half invested. Mm-hmm. So yeah. officership yeah. allows me to do it full time. Um, ministry itself, uh, that's what I know I'm called to do. But, um, I, you know, if I was working full time and then, you know, you do, you do ministry, we're all like the minister, the priests of all believers, like you do ministry in the workplace, but to actually be a minister, I, I that suits my calling and suits my lifestyle. Like to do that full time is just amazing. And office, officership mm. allows me to do that and allows these guys to do it as well. So yeah. so it's freeing
0: It's in that you know, we just talked about that. But what about stuff like – another issue that comes up for people is around, like, work-life balance. Now, my question is, one, does that even exist? Um, and does it need to exist? But I think we kind of addressed that, that there are – you make changes, you know, particularly to your circumstances, which but, I think oh, is yeah.
1: a – I think you're responsible for making those choices of, of how you're going to balance your life – because if it's your calling, you're passionate about ministry, yeah. and you want to be engaged. Yeah. So in being want to be uh, wanting to be engaged, you actually have to work out well. How am I going to balance that with wanting to be engaged with the family, which is part of my ministry too, and and helping them and supporting them, and so y- you you work with it. You actually sit down with with God and with those around you, and you start to work out, well, how am I going to do this thing that's called calling, that's called ministry, in a way that I'm honoring both uh, God and my family, and and they're one and the same thing, really, in a sense, they're together. So uh, I think it's it's freed me to do that.
3: Especially. Officership isn't what I do. It's who I am. Yeah. And so, you know, that work-life balance thing, uh, for starters, I think it's a bit of a myth, isn't it? This whole, we have to have a balanced life. What's balanced mm. for me today will be point. very different yeah. to what's balanced for me mm-hmm. next week That's or next point, year. Yeah. But if who I am is someone whose life is set apart to bring people to Jesus, to help people to follow Jesus, then whatever I do can do that. So if it means that I'm taking time off to take care of a child, or if it means I'm putting in long hours at the office at the moment because I'm working on a project, whatever I am doing is all geared towards that. And it's about making sure that you are taking care of the needs of yourself and your family, rather than it being about balance, you know? Mm. Mm. I think it's a myth. I think this whole notion that somehow we'll, we'll find the right uh, formula to assign the right hours to certain things. I mean, anyone that's had a family knows you just get that balance, whatever that is, and they move into a new phase of life, I, yeah, think, true. Yeah, that's you know, yeah. I think. Yeah, true. But it's, it's yeah.
0: not it's not dissimilar to boundaries. You know, we, we sort of talk about people yeah. putting in boundaries, and then we, we wonder why people have put in boundaries. You know, like it's there is – it's seasonal. There are yeah. times when it's, you know, fruitful and there's times when it's really difficult and there's times it's really busy and there's times where you may have a bit more time to sort of discern – you know, things that are happening.
1: Exactly,
3: but, exactly, yeah. yeah. But, but, but you know, taking time off to care for a sick child is about me being an officer. Yeah, right. You know, right. it's about how I do that. It's about how I include others in that. It's about how I trust during that. It's I'm still being an officer. I, like, it's who I am, not the job that I do. And yeah. therefore, it's not about balance. It's about living up to the values of the kingdom, no matter what what stage of life I'm in and what I'm doing.
0: Well, people watch how we officer, you know, um, because people see that and that's uh, for a lot of people exploring ministry, They their, their example of officership is the person that has been their core officer. Yeah. Um, and we do have a responsibility, yeah. I think, to, to do that. And I think that people do watch and we take our examples from each other yeah. as well about how we, we look after our family, how we look after the community that we serve in and stuff. So, yeah.
2: I think, just quickly, for me, uh, life is ministry and ministry is life they're very intertwined um, but what I've had to learn because I find it re- I think when people are involved you get so invested um, but what I've had to learn is yes life is ministry ministry is life but my life isn't officership like that sounds pretty' um, I don't, it's not controversial but you know I'm called to be a minister but officership can't consume my life like there has to be other priorities um, so that's that's really hard to try and switch off. Um, because you've got family, you've got friends. Um, but yeah, my life is ministry, but not necessarily just ship alone.
0: how do How do you handle responsibility though? You know that and that that's hard to switch off from responsibility, just because you're not addressing the issue on that particular day or you take your dog for a walk down the beach mm-hmm. or whatever. there's um, you still have that responsibility, and it's how do you process that? And I know that a lot of people wonder about the, The level of responsibility that you have and obviously some parts you can see they're responsible for, if you're in a core appointment, you're responsible to make sure there's a meeting on a Sunday, make sure this happens and these things happen. If you're a chaplaincy or an administrative role, there's lots of responsibilities. But I think in in certain settings, how do you or for each of you, how do you manage that responsibility without abdicating responsibility? I think
3: you be diligent. You plan your time well. Uh, so I I mean, I have systems that I've put in place over the years to make sure that I, I know what it is I'm trying to achieve, what tasks I have to do. I make sure that I'm disciplined, that I work hard, but I also recognise that I need time for relaxation and I schedule that in. And whatever that looks like for people, I, I need relaxation that fills my mind so that I can rest my mind from the things that I feel responsible for. And so I, I do craft or I Walk, or I spend time with friends, but I actually schedule that into my life, and I hold to that quite firmly. But it's about being diligent when I am at work and making sure that I am achieving and I'm working hard. You know, mm. we can waste a lot of time mm. and uh, think that we're busy. So it's actually about managing that well.
2: Yeah, if if I'm out two or three or four nights a week, what I'll do is I'll just try and get home a little bit earlier in the afternoon. Um, just have like two hours to myself or doing something and then you're back out in the night. So it's just it's trying to balance knowing what your day looks like and trying to squeeze in maybe <laughs> an hour or two or, yep. you know,
3: and again, that oh, and flexibility that kind of lets yeah, you do right, that. Exactly. Like officers can go home for a couple of hours during the day because they're working at yeah. night. So, mm. you know, it's, it's about recognising the responsibilities that you have exactly. and planning well. Yeah,
1: right. I recognise over the years, um, unlike Sandy, I'm, I'm, I'm not that well organised. And, and so <laughs> I've, 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 I've at times found myself over you know, over committing myself to certain things and going flat out. But I I do aim to get breaks. And over the years, I've kept certain days sacrosanct, like I've kept a Monday when I was in core ministry. And I tried to keep that as a place where I could just stop from all other activity. I didn't stop being me or stop being an officer, but I stopped just the activity I was engaged in. And, and, um, and but these days i'm i'm dictated to by another clock and i've got to be at certain places at certain times so it's another stage it's just a different season for me at the moment and in some ways i'm forced to change my uh, mode of ministry into another mode uh, at certain times of the day so that i'm achieving other things so it, it, in a sense and some of them are some modes are more demanding than other modes so you, i find i the changes bring about a certain level of release mm. from the consistency of responsibility. And so it, that, that gives energy to myself too. Yeah.
2: It's
0: good. The, the freeing part. I like that. Yeah. It, it is freeing. It what, is. what about stuff like, um, you know, I was thinking before when we were all talking about, um, like appointments that we're currently in and how we, we manage that. Think over the journey, like the, the different appointments that people have had, um, when when you got into officership, I mean, what what did you sort of see yourself doing? Did you see yourself standing in front of a congregation, preaching your heart out, um, organising red shield appeals, <laughs> uh, you know, hospital visitation, um, organising? I, I don't know. I mean, did, how do we? What, what's my question? I guess I'm, I'm saying like how how has it changed since we we set out in the very beginning. Um, to where we are now. And maybe if you'd like to talk about some of those appointments that you've had along the way.
3: Well, I was really ignorant, as I said. I, I mean, I had only been a Christian for just over a year when I went into training, and I remember the very first Sunday that we went out as cadets and we went to a corps that was very different to a new plant at Lunga, and I wondered what I had got myself in for. So I really <laughs> hadn't imagined anything other than what I have, had observed, which was someone engaging with the community, making lives better. Um, I've had, I think I'm in appointments 18 and 19 now, so I've had a fair few opportunities to see the difference different types of roles that you play in officership. I've served in three different countries, so I've seen the Salvation Army around the world a little bit. Um, and I have I have to say one of the things about officership is the the flexibility that you need as a person to be able to adapt to a new role and a new situation. So my values remain the same. My work ethic remains the same. The focus on relationships remains the same. That's a big focus for me in officership. But the skills that I need and the knowledge that I've needed to fulfill those roles has meant that I've had to be a constant student sometimes in an academic qualification but other times in just observing other people and how they've done a role and you know constantly open to learning and adapting so that I can fulfill the roles but for me that's part of the excitement mm-hmm. it's part of the you know, I would never have imagined that I would have done some of the things that I've done um, in officership and I would never have put my hand up for them you know I would never have thought that I would be capable of doing them and the Salvation Army have, have given me the job and so I've upskilled and, and sometimes times I've done really well, and other times I've been okay. Um, did you, did you, yeah. you plant
0: a church in a funeral home?
3: Uh, no, you? we didn't plant the church there, but we certainly did run the church in a funeral home. I remember hall. that. I don't know why, but is it? It, was, it? was fabulous, and we did count the bodies in the steps <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> What about
0: you, Len? You've been on the road a bit longer than Sean, so maybe if you want to go before Sean. yeah, Shaun.
1: yeah a, a variety of a variety of appointments. Predominantly, um, when I was coming into ministry, strongly it was core focus for me. It was you know, I just sensed that preaching was where I wanted to be, and it was sort of strength, and and I wanted to to be able to you know, convey the word of God, and so it was congregational work was just the focus, and so it was you know, not surprising we ended up in a sense there, and and. Uh, thoroughly enjoyed it. And I did, I think, 20 years, two lots of 10, two decades of, of ministry in core. And that was just, it was fantastic time. It was, enjoyed it thoroughly. But uh, in between those two decades, I had some time as, uh, within administration with a new secretary position. That was great. Uh, and then after the, the last lot of 10 years, I've been now engaged for a number of years. I don't know. must be something. Not 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 ten years I think it is. It's a lot uh, of ten years in there. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, how old in, are you? yeah. That's right. That's right. In administration, I'm not giving that away. <laughs> in, in administrative work, well, like I was a training princ- uh, assistant training principal for a while, and I was um, you were my assistant training principal. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah, it was fantastic. And my DY. And <laughs> your dy Anyway, <laughs> kind of a, a bit like the furniture remote, <laughs> just around, you know. Um, and so all of those positions, it, it's. It's nowhere near as diverse as Sandy's experience of being thrown internationally and and getting all those kinds of opportunities. Um, But they've, they've been diverse... Uh, nonetheless, you know, uh, from administrative work to congregational pastoral work uh, to chaplaincy, I've even been the exo of the staff band for for a, <laughs> a couple of years, which you know was, was quite I good fun. I live in hope. <laughs>
0: My microphone stopped working, so I went like
1: yeah. But it was yeah, it was that was great fun, and and there's all these different experiences. So I never anticipated administration work, administrative work, the way that I'm doing it at this point in time. But that's the way it is. And and you just adapt to it. You get to it and say, well, that's that's what God wants me to do at the moment. Yeah. Let's get into it and get involved and see what I can get and out of it. There's still
0: of lots it. of people that we interact with and meet. That it, and this is, this is critical. Yeah, do ministry with. I don't mean that in a, no. today I'm going to do ministry. We are who we are. Exactly. And that's critical. And I God think puts people in our path. If we
1: forget that, particularly when you're engaged in you know, an administrative position at, at, say, a territorial or divisional level, you've forgotten what ministry is about because, you know, what I'm doing at this this level impacts people at the front line. I've got to keep that constantly in mind. And when I'm sharing with other people, I'm constantly touching their lives. And, And that means that ministry is alive still. Doesn't matter whether I'm in a pulpit or I'm here behind a desk, ministry's alive. And I've got to keep that focus. Otherwise, I don't know about you, Sandy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Look,
3: Officership for me is all about people and relationships, so how I do that in each role has to adapt, of course, but at the moment, for instance, in my social justice role, one of the things I've tried very strongly to do is to move people from thinking about issues to thinking about people Mm. who experience a whole range of problems and issues in their life, and so we spend a lot of time in our department talking about people who experience, Mm. people who are um, undergoing these circumstances, and so that focus is always on people. There's always people around for you to build relationships with and to be in ministry to. And yeah. and I I mean, people often say, oh, being in THQ, that must be awful. I'm like, no, right. there's people yeah, everywhere. Exactly. And there's yeah. people that have very real needs yeah. and I get to be a living example of how to follow Jesus. Yeah,
1: in, in all of that. Mm. It's great. It's
3: good.
1: What about you, Sean? You?
2: I, I think going out of college, like growing up in Salvation Army helps you to understand the Salvation Army Um but going out of college, I don't think you fully know what to expect. <laughs> there's all different scenarios, situation, appointments. Um, and let's be honest, college doesn't teach you everything. <laughs> uh, you get out of college and you realise that there's a lot of things that you haven't been taught or haven't learnt. Um, but one of the... <laughs> it's not Sandy's fault. Um, I'm not blaming CBC, by the way. Um, so... I think the thing that I didn't, I expected the least to do, but now I'm probably the most passionate about is networking uh, within the community uh, and, and community engagement. I think my stance is if if you're if a church isn't doing any, anything in its community that doesn't have the right to be called a church, um, that's, that's my that's yeah. my stance. Yeah. Um, so I'm very passionate about community networking and impacting and influencing your local community.
0: That's
2: good. Yeah. good
0: work. So. If you're driving along in your car listening to this and um, you want some advice from officers who have varied experience, what what is, for you guys on the panel, what would be one thing that you'd wish someone had said to you entering into ministry? Is there anything that... I mean, can you be prepared for it? I don't know. I mean, is there... I,
1: I don't think you can. I mean, this life is so diverse the, the college can never prepare you for the totality of ministry. I think it's just being open to God. Mm-hmm. You know, keep open to God. Keep obedient. Because if it, it, that, that to me has been a fairly critical thing, that if you keep obedient to what God's doing, you'll see miracles happen. You'll see things take place that you never believed could have been possible because you're just where he wants you to be. And so you're just... You know, keep listening in to the, to the whispers. Keep close enough for his whispers to get through to you, so you can actually be where he wants you to be. And, and things happen. God does, still does. Incredible stuff. Yeah. You
3: know? Officership has changed a lot since I was a young officer because I really am that old. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what it it means to be an officer. The world has changed very much since I was a young officer, but my sense of purpose has never changed. And Mm -hmm. so I think the advice I would give to people is to work out your sense of purpose, to be intentional and understand what your values are. Uh, So my sense of purpose is that I believe that following in the way of Jesus is how we should live. And that has not changed throughout my officership. How I do that, how I adapt that in every different role. I mean, I've had... Seven core appointments, and that's looked different in each one of them, as well as a variety of other things. But that sense of purpose has never changed. So find out what is your sense of purpose. What is it that you can contribute, and how can officership be that vehicle?
1: Mm, that's good.
2: I think if I would say that if you if you do not love God and you genuinely do not love people, then maybe officership is not for you. <laughs> <laughs> because, maybe. <laughs> I think you know you hear people talk about they don't like. Working with people or interacting with people, but that's what it's all about at the end of the day, like Sandy said and Len said. It's all about relationships. And if you're not willing to invest into relationships, then maybe this isn't for you. Yeah. Yeah. Which sounds a bit harsh, but I think it's true. No, it's true. I <laughs> yeah. think it's
0: it's a practical part of, you know, if you're exploring the calling in your, in your life and what, you know, what God's leading you to do. How do you, um, each of you, how do you sort of, I'll say, guard your heart, which sounds a bit, um, there are highs, there are lows, there are really difficult circumstances. Sometimes things happen to us. Um, sometimes things happen for us, and all that sort of stuff. How do you your your relationship with Jesus, which is absolutely vital? Mm. Um, how do you maintain that um, in in the in the in the busyness, if you like, or the um, of ministry? Um, I think it's really important. I know we can talk about officership and you know study and um, you know appointments and the highs and the lows, but how do we, we how do we maintain that love relationship that we have that actually first spoke to us wherever it was at Preston <laughs> that day? For me it was in Tasmania Amen Tasmania you know that God spoke and I, I've never lost a sense of that yeah. um, and I, I know when I'm losing it in and in, I can tell when things aren't right but how, how, do, how do each of us, how do we maintain that love relationship with Jesus?
3: I, I prefer to describe myself rather than being a Christian. I th- I'd like to tell people I'm a follower of Jesus. And so I I see in the gospels that me following Jesus means sometimes I fall over and stumble and I don't get it right. But this very real sense that I've had since that very first day that that God is somehow with me, that awareness of God's presence and that awareness that God loves me even in the days when I'm wallowing in the mud, you know? And so for me it's really that that very strong sense that God God is here and that God loves me and that God is pleased that I exist. And, and that helps me through a lot. But also just recognizing that following Jesus for all of us is a difficult thing. But but it's about living out kingdom values, even when I'm not um, feeling on top of the world or even when God feels distant. The values of the kingdom are good, sound values. And so I'll keep living them until such time as I feel you know, whatever it is I think I need to feel again. But those values, they undergird my life, and so they don't they don't waver no matter what I'm going through.
1: Yeah, yeah. I've, I've held on to this, this, that principle, God is good. In, in, in every season of life and in every circumstance and every situation, you know, because he's good to be in the good times, even when in the bad times, he's still good, you know, and, and he's... He, loves me and calls from me my love and, and I find that you know feeding my relationship I mean it sounds so basic but just being in the Word is is a critical part of the journey. I mean you, you if you think you can do it without the word, you've got to rethink it a bit because I mean you know, it just needs it in there. And I I find I need kind of daily injection, you know, kind of get up in the morning, get an injection of the Word of God because it's it just keeps me in the focus. Even if it's not You know, I can read a lot of... It's a bit like eating a sandwich, you know. Some days the sandwich doesn't do it for me, but other days it really is just so tasty and great and you think, that's fantastic. And I just find I need to be in the Word. It it helps me maintain some kind of mooring in my life that I'm not wandering too far from where I need to be. And, And I find so often, so often, that in that space, when I'm just reading the Word of God, He'll slap me around the head with something... That I need to have heard and I need to take note of, and it'll just bring me back and it'll just remind me again. That's why the rope is tugging, and you know? I'm, you know, this is I need me to, to pay attention to this area of my life. So you know, God's good in all the circumstances of life, and I just feed that relationship by getting into the word of God and feeling it looks tourist.
3: different for different people it don't does, you think yeah. I mean for me it's about going for a walk in nature and I exactly I remember yeah. that I'm part of a big magical creation and I marvel at that so I will often take time to just go outside and be outside amongst nature and away from other things so I think it looks different yeah, no, I, for I, people
2: for me I'm lucky because I don't have kids yet so to start <laughs> off my week I get down to the like cafe at eight that I'm, my I'm lucky
3: I'm confused <laughs> <laughs> yeah. a bit more
2: flexibility you could say um, so to start off my week I go Go to the local cafe at eight and do my devotions. So, I'm a big fan of NT Wright. So, I'll read um, the gospel commentaries that he does. So, I'll read the passage of scripture. So, I'll just do like a, a sub story within a chapter, time by day by day. And I'll read the commentary and then I have time of prayer, um, but also prayer walks. Um, that's mm. something that I do as well that I find really, really yeah, um, fruitful. Well, but, yeah, absolutely. And then the other thing too is. Um, I think it's really important to catch up with someone, um, another Christian, another follower of Jesus, who you can really relate to and really gets it, gets the foundation of the gospel. Uh, and I th- like Bonhoeffer said that uh, being a place-sharer, he believes that you know in, the, in between yourself and another person, Jesus is there in the middle. So I think it's that relationship with that person because Jesus is in that meeting, uh, in that gathering. So it's actually the encouragement, it's the spurring on, it's, um, it's, it's things like that. I think catching up with people is really important as well.
0: Sandy, when you said about um, everyone's different and they do it differently, so I, when I came into ministry, I was a, a sign writer, so I did a trade. And the idea of sitting in a quiet room in a rocking chair, oh, yeah. um, yes, um, doing my devotions <laughs> at yeah, yeah. Uh, four a.m., <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you know, like the good saints used to do, um, it just it just wasn't going to happen, you know. Um, but but people find their own rhythm, and I think that's really important too. That but out of our different rhythms God still calls people yeah I That's come from a
3: Celtic heritage and one of the things about the Celts was that they practice the presence of God in the very ordinary yeah. ordinariness I can't say that of life so one of the things I'm doing at the moment is I'm crocheting baby blankets and I'm praying for those babies yeah. and for their families as I do that mm. um, I'm just praying that I will be a good influence on them that I will know how to interact with them that that God will surround them with people you know so it's about using who I am and the very ordinary of my day rather than you know but some people actually need that scheduled time and and, you know I take my hat off to Sean that does that at a certain time every day that works for him but for me it's about more combining the presence of God in whatever it is I'm doing
2: Okay. I don't go to the cafe every day. <laughs> I think I run out of dosh. <laughs> <laughs> we need to get sponsorship for you for that. That's a good idea.
3: It's a social justice project, right? Yeah,
0: keep the coffee campaign going. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, just Look, this has been really fascinating. I think it's been interesting to hear um, different stories and our, the way God calls us, how we, what, how we're sustained, but also what it's like just being a Salvation Army, surrendering your, your life um, to that process. Just as we finish, have you got a verse that you – You've hung your hat on for your, court, your ministry. Is there a verse today that maybe yeah. um, might speak into the lives of people who would
1: be listening? Galatians 2 and 20, for me, it's no longer I live but Christ who lives in me and the life I now live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who died for me and loves me and uh, uh, that he would not have done that. Yeah, he wouldn't have died on the cross if there was any other way of winning my freedom. So uh, it's, a, it's a verse that's kind of taking me... It's a verse that came to me very early in my conversion experience. And it just stayed with me all the way, reminding that's it's here, that's alive in me. Yeah.
0: Thanks, Glenn.
2: It's quite funny. That was Galatians 2.20 was when I was a bit younger. and um, that kept me going as well. But more recently, probably the last four, five, six years, is John ten. Just that, you know, Jesus came to bring life and life in all its yeah, fullness. Yeah. So he wants the best for me, he and he wants the best for others as well. So Uh, That tells me that anything uh, without Jesus, you don't get the fullness of life. So you fall short of that. So with Jesus, you get the fullness of life and you can experience the fullness of life. And that's what I want for other people as well.
1: Yeah, good stuff, yeah.
3: When you're commissioned as an officer, there's a Bible verse that you get oh, to yes. you get. To, we used to get to pick. I don't know if they get given it now, but we used to get to pickers. And when I picked mine, the staff thought that I was a little bit odd because it wasn't the sort of verse. Most people pick something reminding them that God will be with them or God equips them. But I picked Luke twelve forty eight, which says, The one to whom much has been given of them will much be required. I, I feel that very strongly. I feel like I have been so incredibly blessed with the gift of life, with people who've loved me deeply with opportunity for education. And so it, it keeps me going. It reminds me that God actually requires that I use this gift for God's glory. And I've got a great story about that if we've got time. There you go. Uh, generally, Eva Barrows was staying with us uh, when we were in New Zealand. She was doing the Easter services for us. And I'd, I'd had a bit of, of strife. Sometimes people are threatened by me because I'm quite a strong, outspoken person. And so I said to her, General, how do you cope with, People being threatened by you, uh, particularly as a woman. And she said, my dear girl, of course people are threatened by me. I'm a very gifted woman. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, it was said without any arrogance. There was no arrogance in that. She went on to say, but with those gifts come great responsibility, that God expects me to use those gifts. And sometimes I wish that God hadn't given me so many talents Mm. because I'm responsible to use them. And it reminded me of that verse that I'd had as a cadet, that, you know, the gifts that I've been given, and are to be used for God. And it is a great responsibility. It's not just all a fun journey. It's actually a giving back um, of mm. the gift of my life to the best purpose that I can.
0: Yeah. Cool. All right. Sandy, thank you. Sean, thank you. Len, thank you. I want to finish with a quote, actually, that you, uh, when you were talking earlier, Sandy, when you said you should be doing more with your life. And um, I think it's, it's kind of cool. Like There is more to be done uh, in and through the Salvation Army. If people um, hear his call, then they should... Uh, follow it. And I think you've encouraged everyone on that journey. So thanks very much.
1: You're welcome. Thank you, Matt.
0: Thanks for joining us for more about officership. You can join the conversation at facebook.com forward slash SA Candidates Australia. If you want to explore officership further, please speak to your local Corps officer or candidate secretary. The Salvation Army needs more leaders. Is God asking for more of you?